one. Spags, it feels like an eternity since I last drafted a Best Ball Mania team for $3 million, but we are going to write that ship today. It's been a long Memorial Day weekend, but we are back on the clock here. In fact, going to be quite literally on the clock. Best Ball Mania for $3 million of first place. And Pete and I, of course, drafting once again. As Pete, you stream every team 100. You feel rusty after we get to not getting any drafts, unless you were dying for the chow chow. I did. I did do a couple chow chows. I think I did two fast chow chows uh, over the weekend. Uh, so did uh, scratch my itch. Although there was an auto drafter in my chow chow yesterday um, who ended up with like four or five QBs and like brutally sniped me twice. So I ended up with a classic Peter, you know, punk QB build uh, thanks to an auto drafter. But, you know, we're ready to get back in these best ball mania streets. You know, you can tell Pete that it's like the start of like the best ball summer. Everybody really excited to come in. I'm sure you're seeing it too. The amount of comments you get. Um, also, the amount of comments you get of people going like, these running backs are pretty thin. I don't think there's any pathway for them to score any points. Some guy left a comment like I think right before the stream. I only draft three, six, six, three teams. Love drafting all my early running backs. Like every summer, this is the case. I don't know how you've been doing it for more years than I have. Uh, I think I just have uh, a short memory. I just kind of like men in black myself after each year uh, to convince myself that we're not just doing the same things over and over again. Yeah, we are. It's real. It feels really repetitive, but it is a new one here. Pete, it uh, looks like we are in the room, so you could pull it up here. Pete is in the nine spot. I'm in the 10 spot. So we will both be going right next to each other, which has been an unfortunate part of these head to head, Pete. Uh, we are really just going one after the other and unfortunately sniping each other sometimes accidentally, perhaps sometimes not. I don't, I don't think I've ever sniped you because I just draft the best yeah. possible team and you, you know, get these little vendettas and think you get spite equity and snipe equity out of these picks. I will say I'll go on the record here because we do get some comments about it. I have never once purpose, uh, purposely sniped Pete, at least in this run of BBM four entries, uh, maybe last summer a little bit, but uh, not currently. I've been trying to stay out of the way. I just sometimes we both like the same teams, like the same players, and I think that's been our issue. How many how many best ball mania teams did you do over the weekend and how many are you up to? I actually didn't do any over the weekend, so I stayed pretty pure. I'm trying to kind of level it back because I'm at about 40 overall. Um, have been doing the Dalmatian slowly as that one peels through. Have a nice uh, two a Geno double stack going to that one. But um, yeah, honestly, I've been trying to measure myself out because you really can crank these. I had a Pete, guy Pete on Friday, uh, 138 entries in BBM um, on the Splash Play Friday show. And it's like, that's too many at this point, even though I get the enthusiasm why you just kind of want to blast off. Yeah, that's I would I would love to talk to some like if if someone told me that they got 150 in in like the first four days of the contest and they just went full sicko mode because they were like the ADPs are off. This is my biggest edge. But I do question like I assume like what 60, 70 of those entries have been more recently. And I don't really know what the specific edge or reason is for blasting off that hard in a contest that's going to be open for three and a half, four months. I think we can make the case that like your information gap knowledge, like yours and mine, and I, you know, I feel this way for myself is probably the highest that it'll be right now. I guess you could say maybe in that training camp season, where it's all the athletic articles. And I certainly love reading all of those. I know Pete does as well. Um, there's a little bit of an information edge there, but I think right now I could see the logic in thinking that, you know, more than everybody else drafting in May. But I say that way, you know, I see that for 50 entries, not for 150. Right. Yeah, I, uh, you know, the thing is, is I feel like there's been enough contests. All right, I'm, Travis Kelsey falling to pick nine. Um, sure. Looks like we're going to be in a piss boy room right here, though. Yeah, um, Eckler is starting to come up a little bit in ADP now that his contract stuff has been sorted out with the, uh, with the Chargers, at least for one year. But I am going to take Devontae Adams here, who I never really have any issue with, even though Jimmy G's foot not looking great. 
Yeah. <laughs> See, at least at least Lauren here in the in the chat is honest. I'm at 94. It's just because I'm dumb and love this platform. That's a that's a legitimately good reason. At least we're not like lying to ourselves and being like this is how we get a big edge. Yeah, and I'm actually going to take Jalen Waddle here too, just because again, as Pete mentioned, it is a piss boy room, and Jonathan Taylor would make sense for the Week 17 correlation, as well as to give myself some skin in the game for Anthony Richardson. But I prefer Waddle. Mm -hmm. Um. All right, we have a shit ton of wide receivers off the board. God, I have so much Olave. I'm actually like to me, I personally view Olave and Devonta Smith relatively similar. I guess you can make the case that there's a little bit more um what uh to to to, to target share upside for Olave, you know, if he could command you know the top dog in a way that you know, Devonta Smith is probably never going to be able to fully usurp uh, AJ Brown, but I just, all those guys waddle Devonta Smith, um, T Higgins, I view relatively similarly. So I'm just going to keep kind of mixing and matching there. Yeah, I think it's a reasonable way to look at it. And I like Devonta Smith in general. I, I mean, I think too, anytime you get that wide receiver two in this range and they are kind of direct leverage on the guy going in the first round, I feel like that's pretty appealing. And also Peter reminder, I don't know what number entry this is for you, but if you want to get your banner going. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I actually need to. I'm pretty sure this is 30. Yeah. Okay, so number 30 a, a for you. Fifth, yeah. A fifth of the way done after this one. Wow. Does it feel like you're a fifth of the way done? Because I was thinking about it on Friday when I was doing my stream, and I would encourage people to check that out, of course, on the Splash Play channel. We have some fun there. I'm doing random stacks. Um, the draft is only a month ago. Like, it really feels like we have been in this world post-draft for at least a two-month cycle, and I feel like this time goes by so fast, but also it feels like you are in some sort of repetition, repetition loop that never ends. Yeah, it is. Uh, it does feel like the content life cycle. What I, I one way I was thinking about it is, you know, every year by more towards like the middle to later part of the summer, I make my best ball bro video. You know, spoofing all of the things that we all talk about all summer long. And normally, I need like a couple months of best ball discourse and drafting occurring, and then I can build up my my rolodex of things to reference in that video. I feel like I could go make that video right now off of just four weeks of drafting you know like there's just so much already that has has transpired in in the best ball universe so yes things are moving it is like it's like ai you know where it's like an exponential thing like for rapid adoption that's what best ball has done this summer we've just gone like exponential here and uh who knows what the end of the summer is going to look like yeah, I'm very curious to see. And I guess we should talk about one item, Pete, because we, we haven't been doing the new segments because we do try to hop into the draft immediately. But DeAndre Hopkins finally gets that release. And I still feel like he's going to end up somewhere that is going to actually end up paying off this ADP that has been kind of untenable to me over the last few weeks. Or basically since, as Bindles points out, we've been drafted since February. I've been like, no DeAndre Hopkins for me this entire time. But if he goes to KC or Buffalo and he's still going in the 40s, like, it's probably an appropriate value, even though he is kind of dusty, even though all the metrics that would support him being an alpha dog receiver have started to come down to earth, even though he's contested catch guy and getting older. But where is the appropriate price for you know for Hopkins if he goes anywhere good? So my my take on the Hopkins ADP all along was that it was baking in a good landing spot. Like where he was going was in my mind assuming a Bills, a Chiefs, a Chargers, whatever it was going to be. And so I don't think much has changed. The only times I was taking him were one when he slid about around past ADP and generally if it was correlated with an Eagles player. That would be kind of my one exception for for taking for taking DeAndre Hopkins. So I don't think his ADP should move up. I think it should just stay where it was because I just assumed the market would, was already assuming that because it was like, why were we drafting him there 
with the Cardinals who are a dumpster fire, Kyler, who, who knows if he's going to play like that ADP never made sense for the Cardinals. So I, I assumed that everyone was already skating to where they thought the puck was going to be. I guess that would make more sense. I've kind of thought it was just the boomer love for DeAndre. Like we have uh, the Black Lebowski saying Hopkins is dusty in the chat. Like I think that's a common take of people that like him more and Andrews goes, which I would have liked. So what are you going to pick? I'm going Debo here. Um, a guy that uh, I don't end up with a ton, but man, we've talked about it a lot. The, this back end of the third round is pretty gross here. Um, and I figured I'd have a couple shots at a quarterback or a running back if I wanted it. So just went ahead and grabbed the other kind of third round value at wide receiver. Yeah, I would have taken Mark Andrews if he had fallen to me. Instead, I'm going to take Amari Cooper here. Uh, Pete, do you want to guess my Mark Andrews exposure? Because I was going through the numbers a little bit and it's honestly higher than I would have anticipated. Um, your Andrews exposure. <sighs> uh, higher than anticipated. I don't know. What are you at? 15%? 24% Mark Andrews so far. Okay. <laughs> well, because I love Miami Baltimore for week 17. I always get, I'm not always, but very frequently get one of Waller, Tyreek Hill. So that's sort of forcing me there, but I definitely need to turn off the Mark Andrews a little bit just because um, he's an elite tight end, which is good, but that's the only elite tight end I'm getting a lot of besides, I guess, Kelsey, whenever I'm in the first round and he kind of falls. Well, and also what happens, right, is you're at this spot here um and you can see it on this board you, like you can feel this after Ramondre comes off because you get the the these these nice anchor running backs in the third you get dk metcalf sometimes there's a quarterback kicking around and then you fall into the ridley samuel amari uh lamar fields tier and like andrews looks like the best player once Ramondre's off the board um pretty clearly i would have been in a tough spot there if he came back uh, just because I would not have wanted to go double elite tight in there, I don't think. Mm -hmm. um, so this is normally a spot where I'd be like, oh, I'll, I'll grab the Gibbs value here. Um, and I still might. Wow, Judy, you took Judy. Maybe I will do Maybe I will do the Gibbs value. At first I was like, huh, maybe I should keep drafting wide receivers, but... Um, I just do not like this range here. I do take Keenan a decent amount. You can see I have 17% uh, Keenan there, but uh, going to go ahead and grab a Gibbs share. Yeah, I took Judy would have preferred to get Watson, but of course Watson goes right before me. This Rybert and uh, Rickster both are taking guys that I like, which is obviously going to be expected here. Um, but I'm I'm liking the zero RB build so far just because these wide receiver pockets, like I have talked myself into Gibbs so many times in that exact same situation and um, definitely more than Najee, definitely more than ATN. I was going to say, I the more I think about it, the more I think ETN's like overvalued by like a round and a half, almost two mm -hmm. rounds. Like he feels, he feels like he should be going where Miles Sanders is going, where you can tell yourself the story of how it breaks, but there are a lot of just dead zone running back concerns with him. I mean, the thing that jumped out to me was how they didn't use him for the pass game last year, even though that's what he was so ballyhooed for coming out of college. And then um, they also used Tank Bigsby so far, and he's catching passes in camp, and it feels like he might get some more of that role. We also know uh, last year they certainly liked Michael Hasty a little bit more in those pass game uh, roles as well as on third downs to protect. So it kind of feels like ATN's margin of success is getting thinner, even though, like, I get he's a good rusher and whatever, but even the advanced analytics don't support that enough where I'm like, oh, ATN's a value. If he goes to the fifth, like, I could see kind of going back there. Yeah, I mean, you're really starting to – the thing that just sucks about ETN is just that he doesn't catch passes. And it's not because he can't. I think we all agree that Travis ETN is a very capable pass catcher. They just, for whatever reason, have decided not to use him. Now you bring in more 
pass catching competition in Calvin Ridley. You bring in Tank Bigsby, who's going to be um, a thorn in his side. And you really are hanging your hat on big plays. And again, he's fully capable of that, but you really are going to need him to rip off a lot of like 50 yard touchdowns to pay off a third round ADP. Yeah, I would agree. Also, uh, interesting chat from Rodney here, Pete. I don't know how you want to handle this one, but uh, Pete, describe your reaction to the succession finale in three words or less. What was you? What would be your summary take that is still no spoiler zone here? In three words or less. Yeah. Jeez, uh, that's this is this is quite the uh, the prompt, Rodney. Uh, drink that milkshake. Uh, is, is what I will say. <laughs> I would say Shiv annoys me. Would sum up a lot of this season for me, especially the finale. Shiv is probably like the most hypocritical, right? Where it's like Kendall and Rome, like kind of know who they are and they're unapologetic where this, the entire thing with Shiv for the whole duration of the series is like, she started out as like this bleeding heart lib that was going to, you know, separate herself from kind of like the family, you know, the, the cutthroat nature of the business and all that. And she's kind of just waffled back and forth. And whenever it was convenient for her to be like, no, we care about democracy in the Republic. Then she plays that card. And then when it's like, Oh, I can have the seat at the table. I could be the CEO. Then she plays that card. And so in that way, I do feel like she is, almost the most cynical of all of them. I also, yeah, I kind of like liked her the most going in. So I think that did affect me, but uh team Kendall guy and, you know, team Kendall fans, we come in peace here as uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed the finale. And um, I interesting capper to the show, Pete. And that's, I guess all we could say for now for the people who are a few days behind and had a nice vacation. They're like, Oh, I know it won't talk about succession. My favorite best ball streamers. And here we are uh, dancing hey. around. Normally, uh, normally talk about it a little bit on the Monday show, but no Monday uh, show mm -hmm. ever. Um, best show ever. I, I fucking love Succession, but I, I don't know if it's best show ever. Um, it was yeah. it was really good though. Uh this is a falling Justin Herbert here, which goes against my my piss boy room here. But I really don't want to reach for Evans, Lockett, Addison, Marquise Brown. I'm not a big Marquise Brown believer with the vacated targets. Just don't think there's going to be anybody who can get him the ball. So I'll take Herbert and try to. Build out a week 17 correlation with Denver. Um, I think we, yeah, I think I view it differently where I'm I'm happy to grab Marquise Brown at ADP. He's not a guy I'm reaching for, but I do think one, he's talented and should have all the volume in the world. And we've seen him as kind of a target guy. Like I, I don't view Marquise Brown as just a downfield threat. I actually think he can earn targets as the number one. And to me, it's kind of similar to what Brandon Cooks in years past, where it's like, yeah, no one feels like investing in the Texans offense or whatever and taking the best wide receiver on a bad team. But that still has value, um, him earning targets at that clip. I just took Kyle Pitts. So that's why if you saw me put my head in my hands, that's in fact the reason why. I do not want to take Kyle Pitts, but I take too much Goddard. Um, I have so much Mike Evans here. But because I have this little Seattle thing going with Jackson Smith and Jigba, I'm going to just kind of dance around the ADP board here and draft uh, Deontay Johnson. Interesting. I see. I've been staunchly against Deontay Johnson over Pickens and it's starting to get closer ADP wise. And I, I think that's the casual stuff coming in because to me, Pickens fits all the criteria. Guy was playing outside and the slot. I'm um, outperforming, you know, basically the average receiver in both those spots. And he's young and he's coming up. And I, I think Deontay Johnson is going to be quickly phased out of that. Not phased out, but like Pickens is the 1A to me. I don't think there's that Johnson's even the 1B. I think he's the number two. 
Oh man. Yeah. I'm the, first of all, I like both. Um, but I view it completely, uh, differently and I don't, they're, they're going to be used so differently. Their skill sets are, um, they basically play a different position. You know, George Pickens is going to be used down the field, high a dot. He's going to have, um, more bust weeks, but he's going to have more probably explosion weeks. Whereas to me with the Steelers, you are making a bet on Kenny Pickett. And if Kenny Pickett hits Deontay Johnson's hitting, George Pickens is hitting, Pat Fryermuth is hitting. All those guys are going to hit if Kenny Pickett takes the leap and just their production is going to come in different ways. I do think it's pretty analogous to say the Chargers wide receivers pre-Quentin Johnston, but George Pickens is going to be Mike Williams and Deontay Johnson is going to be Keenan Allen. Um, I think that's that's what you're looking at. I just think that there was nothing in terms of the analytics that jump out with Johnson that make me think that he's as good of a player overall as Pickens, but... Um, but, you know, that's something where I know the touchdown high really... rate forever. What was that? Deontay Johnson has earned targets at a nice clip for his entire career. But that's because, you know, for a large portion of his career that there were, you know, weaker guys out there with. I mean, obviously, I'd, was there over? There was an overlap with him and Antonio Brown even. So he's been kind of the default target. I mean, I don't know. These are the guys I've fallen for in the past, Pete. So I tend to have kind of an extra uh, quizzical eye towards him because, like, I think that these volume receivers where there's a better guy who comes in, like they start to come back down to earth fast. And like, um, yeah, Johnson, uh, negative. No, this is Dearness Johnson, who was also pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> Deontay Johnson, negative 21% DVOA per reception, uh, negative 0.09 EPA, which is pretty close to average, but still negative average. Whereas Pickens was one of the best guys in the league in terms of both, uh, at least the EPA numbers, 0.38 EPA per target, 16% passing DVOA. So, these are things that I look at as a, a deciding point. I know Pat's looking at success rate more. Pat Corain, of course, the BBM three winner. I think it's an important counterbalance because it does show you like, hey, this guy's good. He's going to earn more um, and then obviously be less productive per snap. But Deontay Johnson doesn't deserve to earn more because he wasn't productive with the snaps he was getting, basically. The other thing about Deontay Johnson is his ADP is down here because he ran uh, just historically poor on touchdowns relative to his volume uh last year and had he even scored a couple more touchdowns his adp would probably push him more into the fifth round alongside the godwin um st stuff there so i love making a bet on touchdown regression on kenny pickett being good and like i said it does not mean i'm out on george pickens whatsoever i like both of those guys uh a lot and i want to continue making bets on the steelers offense I think the argument you made that speaks the most to me is like the Kenny Pickett bet being the main thing there. And if he's good, he's going to drive success for both guys. But I just think I would be surprised at the end of the year if Pickens is not ahead of Johnson firmly, both in terms of fantasy and the real life value. But that's why we play the games, Pete. Nobody's right this time of year. Um, let's see here. Wide receivers coming off the board. We do have uh, Jameer Gibbs. Uh, we'll do a little week 17 here with Brandon Cooks and Gibbs. And Quentin Johnston goes very early in this room. He goes at 76, so I will not be able to get him to stack up with Justin Herbert here. So we are firmly in the fun time of year. Um, I am going to take Zay Flowers to increase my Baltimore bet a little bit with Miami, but would have really liked to get Quentin Johnston four picks ahead of ADP. Yeah, this is it. I think I'm maybe on a show with you, or maybe it was a best ball breakfast where I did the same thing where I took the Herbert slide at ADP, but then if you miss out on Johnston, you're you're firmly in Gerald Everett, Josh Palmer, Joshua mm. Kelly, uh, gross backdoor stack territory. But I still I still like taking the uh, the value at quarterback when you get it. 
Yeah, I mean, that tends to be why I do eschew the value at quarterback, which is why I'm trying to trick my brain and taking a Justin Herbert and trying to figure out a way to make it work. But I feel like if you miss Quentin Johnson and you have Herbert, it really is thin. Um, but I, I will hopefully not get sniped on Everett and, and the illustrious Josh Palmer, who feels like he shouldn't even have a role at this point. Um, on the clock, though, um, uh, my heart, I, I think we all know what my heart says, Anthony Richardson on the board. Javante Williams maybe makes a little more sense as my first running back off. I am going to go the running back route and take Javante. Oh. I can't. If you took a quarterback, it didn't take Jashad Watson there um, to stack up with your. Uh, yeah. You're see. right. What do I? What do I want to do here? I could get my first share of Anthony Richardson, but I've I've told the people that I refuse to do it um, until I get him at an ADP value. Let's see. Let's do uh, Cortland Sutton here. This is a gross. This is a gross range of the board. Um, yeah, I could have reached for Dak. I have a lot of quarterback outs later um, with Denver, Pittsburgh, Seattle, um, San Francisco. So decided to push it there at quarterback. And just, I don't know, I'm starting to, I don't love this. Like this feels more dead zone-y to me than like the typical dead zone where it's like, these are the what sexiest of the zero RB candidates, Rashad White, James Conner, James Cook. Um, I do have a lot of James Cook here, um, not so much Rashad and James Conner. It, it just, uh, I don't love that that section of the board there. Have you seen Rashad White getting a lot of social media, like people talking him down heavily because of, I mean, he was really bad in terms of the avoided tackle rate numbers and rush yards over expectation. I think that was one chart I saw. Uh, Might have been Sam Sherman, but it's definitely one of the, the data guys who tweets a lot of charts out talking about it this week. And I still like Rashad White. Like, I think he fits a Tampa Bay team that I don't expect to be good this year. Uh, but like people are starting to talk him down to the point that I wouldn't be shocked if he goes closer to 90 at some point soon. I I've seen that sentiment too. Um, you know, he's, he is kind of, he's getting propped up because he's the lead back. Right. And there's, you know, if you, if you give zero RB drafters a lead back in the eighth or ninth round, <laughs> they're going to, they're going to pull the trigger on that. And you do have kind of the pass catching out there as well. People are obviously just afraid of, the offense. Everyone's afraid of the offense sucking, but I think I think he's fairly priced. Uh, I guess is what uh, I would say on him. And and to your point, it does feel like he's maybe going to get a little cheaper here. And also too, like teams sucking. I think that's one thing that I would kind of I've kind of died on this hill a little bit with James Conner, not to the point of like my exposures or anything, but have defended it on the show. Like running backs on a team that's going to be bad, you're they're happy to give running backs a bunch of touches there, start to do some checkdowns more. Like I think Rashad White's well positioned. I'll also take Chase Edmonds late just because you know there's still a chance, obviously, that Rashad White uh, just isn't good enough and they decide to go a different direction. But um, he's a second year guy who was pretty good in college, so I think Rashad White will be fine. And ultimately, like they'll just get more checkdowns and more kind of meaningless touches because of the fact that like they're not going to be forcing the ball downfield to try to win because I don't think they're going to win a lot of games. Yeah. What do you think about this one? Robert talking about James Conner looks like a value. I actually got one of my first shares of him the other day. I think it was in the chow chow though, um, where he slid around past ADP and I had some Philly stuff going on. I've, I've joked about that. If there was going to be a this year's Josh Jacobs, like the guy I never feel like selecting, but could smash that uh, it could potentially be James Conner, but man, could the Cardinals be as competent on offense as the Raiders were last year? I think that's where, the it, it falls apart a bit 
you're kind of hoping, I think, the defense is good enough to prop it up then. And, you know, they did hire the Eagles DC, Jonathan Gannon, who's going to come over and hopefully, I think, make that a little bit better on that side of the ball. But I think Connor's a, like a perfectly fine player because, again, it's just going to be a team that, like, Colt McCoy can't get that ball outside. He had a couple starts last year and just was, it was nothing going for him, obviously, uh, downfield, which kind of happens as guys get older. And also, if they're just career backups, too. So, like, I don't think he'll be able to get the ball to Marquise Brown in advantageous spots. Maybe Rondale Moore he can. Maybe Ertz slash Trey McBride he can. But I think that just comes down to James Conner. The issue is, like, with Week 17 stuff, is Conner still going in Week 17 if they're not going anywhere? Because then it feels like you probably tried out Keontae Ingram and Conner, like, don't hurt your 30-something-year-old back. Love watching V-Stack's timeout and draft an unstacked Dak Prescott. Um, Let's let's just keep hammering – Zach Charbonnet here at 24%. Got a little Seattle bet going here, starting off with two rookie running backs. We need to recap our teams. We have been not servicing the audio listeners here. It's, it was a holiday, you know, but you, you can recap yours first. I'm taking a chain here. Uh, yeah, so I'm at a 2-6-1, no quarterbacks. I got Jameer Gibbs, Zach Charbonnet at running backs, wide receivers, Devonta Smith, Debo Samuel, JSN, Deontay Johnson, Brandon Cooks, Cortland Sutton, Travis Kelsey at tight end. And I'm at Justin Herbert at QB unstacked, but I do have some week 17 bring backs, including Javante Williams at running back, Devin A. Chain as well. Uh, wide receiver, Devonte Adams, Jalen Waddle, Amari Cooper, Jerry Judy, and Zay Flowers. And at tight end, the, the inglorious Kyle Pitts is back in my life. And this might be one of few exposures I have of Kyle Pitts in BBM. Really? Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised. I'm Are you, you're out what? on him altogether? I loved him last year. I just don't want to go out of my way to get him. So today it worked, but in general, like I just don't, I just don't think there's going to be enough volume there. And I, I saw um, Eagles, of course, one of the best ball guys just hammering every tournament out there and is generally pretty sharp about just uh, getting a lot of entries and trying to make them plus EV. But I just don't think that that team is going to be high pass volume. And I don't think it's sustained Pitts, Mac Hollins and Drake London. So I don't know. I am going to take, uh, you know what? I'm actually going to take Alan Lazard here because I never take him and, do you think this would be an okay receiver to pair with my Amari Cooper? Let's see here. I am going to be taking another running back. Um, AJ Dillon is the running back value, but I have a little bit of a Philly bet going on right now with Devonta Smith. Let's do uh, Rashad Penny here. Yeah, I like, I mean, I like Rashad Penny in any sort of build, but yeah, if you have the bet on Philly, certainly a nice one. And I was thinking about a little bit of Penny there too, just because he's getting cheaper. And I don't think the gap between him and Swift should be quite as big as it still is. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't, I, I guess I don't think about this stuff a ton, but one thing I think about um, when I am doing zero RB builds are the type of running back production I'm getting. And as much as I like Gibbs and uh, Zach uh, Charbonnet, they could be slower to produce out of the gate, you know, whether it's, you know, Montgomery and um, Walker just having bigger roles um, right away. So then I start to think who are kind of some of the running backs that I could feather in with them that are going to give me production right out of the gate. And who better than a, a healthy Rashad Penny to rely on until he gets hurt. And then maybe these guys, kind of assume a bigger role. So I do start to think about that when I'm super heavy on rookies. Cause I have had zero RB rooms where it's like Gibbs, Charbonnet, Kendra Miller, Roshan Johnson. Then it's like, I'm going to need a couple guys here who are going to be touching the ball right out of the gate. Yeah. That, that's something that I definitely ran into in an issue last year. And even some of the good teams I had, I had one uh, zero RB team where I hit on Walker Pierce, all like all the guys who were obviously Algier, who I had pretty much every lineup last year. 
Uh, but you know, definitely was a team where it was pretty thin in the beginning and then was kind of sneaking into the playoffs. Um, it's an important thing to remember here. Right? I love the rookies. I have a lot of faith in the rookies in general, pretty much every position, but like Pete's talking about, especially at running back, you have to get some 10 point weeks in that first couple parts of the season where even Algier, who was good last year, uh, he missed like week one that barely played week two. So that, that does happen a lot early. Let's see here. We are through uh, 10 rounds here. I'm trying to see if we have any interest, any other interesting builds going on. Batch, is this our guy Batch with the... Uh, yeah, he's been in every room since uh, his faux pas of auto-drafting eight straight running backs the other week. I mean, he's back on his bullshit. Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, Kenneth Walker, Damian Pierce. That is like the most boomer running back room you could draft. He's not going to be rehabilitating his RB-loving image with those selections. So here's a way. Here's a question, Pete, because I know you sometimes do this on your solo streams. He took Tyreek first, so he did take a receiver, then took four running backs. If you took those four running backs there, and let's say this team is salvageable, then you just wouldn't take another running back the rest of the draft? Sorry, for him? Yeah. I would have... So I, I, if I go Chubb, Henry Walker, to me, that's a four running back build for me. And I'm taking that fourth running back like well after round 10 or 11, you know? Yeah, I agree. Um, let's see here. So have started to get a little shut out at quarterback. Um, we do have Gibbs though. I think Goff and Gibbs are kind of a fun little correlation there and i don't want to push qb too late um so we're gonna go ahead and grab golf we got the golf to gibbs with the the uh, brandon cooks bring back there all right i am on the clock here and this is another suboptimal pocket of the draft for me um don't want to take a tight end at this point <sighs> khalil herbert just falls enough to make me want to take him and i'm going to do that here for a little correlation with Kyle Pitts. If you can't stack your QB, uh, correlate your tight end with your week 17 opponent. There you go. All right. And then, of course, another delicious Chicago running back going to be left on the board for me here. Um, no Jamal Williams ever at this point. The, uh, yeah. I think I'll take Jarek McKinnon, get one more running back. All right. What am I going to do here? I'm still probably going to be at a 2QB build. Um or a three QB build, regardless, I will go ahead and grab Russ here. A couple picks at it past ADP. I do have Sutton. Obviously, lots of backdoor options available. Just making sure there's nothing egregious I'm passing up at running back here with this zero RB room. I think I'm fine. We'll grab Russ. Yeah, Russ was a player that I, I may, may have taken if I didn't take Herbert. It sucks. It's one of those things where if I didn't take Herbert, I would have gotten one receiver, even if it wasn't one that I didn't like, and I would have been a little more uh, fluid with who to take here. But instead, I am locked in on taking shitty chargers and one other QB of unknown origin at some point. couple questions in the chat here. Io, if you weren't doing the 150 stream draft, do you think in, uh, on in an average year, you'd have more or less than the 30 you've done so far. Good question. I think I'd honestly be about at this um, where I'm at now. Maybe a smidge more. Maybe. Maybe I would have done a few more where I would have gotten itchy, you know, in those lulls between some of the other tournaments. I would have fired a couple more. But I honestly think this is about where I'd be. Even if I wasn't doing content, I like the idea of drafting throughout the year. Like I think there's pros and cons to drafting at, at most times. Um, and I'm not like a barbell bro or whatever. I like kind of drafting throughout with those specific windows. 
And then one other question here from William. We hate to see unstacked QBs. Is the Denver bring back for Herbert strong enough or will you need to prioritize late round QB stacks to gain leverage on stacked up Herbert owners? How are you thinking about that right now, Spags? I mean, I think I would certainly like to get some other, you know, lower priority chargers in the mix, though. I do think there's probably a lot of Everett floating around with Herbert, so I don't think I'm getting a big advantage there. But I think, you know, for the week 17 part of it, I obviously want to stack on my QB every time if I can. Um, But for the most part, like in terms of pure tournament brain, if Herbert's okay, like I just make it tougher to kind of get the parlay right. And then for the week 17 part, like I think I'm still well positioned because of the amount of Denver bringbacks I have. Um, so I don't mind how this would look, even if I didn't get another charger, but I think you just want to get those, like those Everett weeks where Herbert goes off. So I, I will probably try to take Everett as long as he doesn't get sniped. This, this also falls into the territory of like the sexiest screenshot, right? Like the sexiest draft screenshot, you're always going to have uh, a double stack with your quarterback, a bring back, blah, blah, blah. But think about it this way. If you could get 18th round unstacked Justin Herbert, would you make that selection? If you knew every single draft, draft however you want, but you can get an unstacked Justin Herbert with your 18th round pick. You would take that every single time, right? Because the value there would supersede whatever benefits you got from stacking other quarterbacks at value. And so if you then think about that on a logical, you know, uh, line, stacking is a boost. It's a bonus that we like going after. So is ADP value. They are almost similar boosts getting ADP value versus getting the stack. Ideally, we get both, but we can't always have that. But you're not crossing guys off your board just because you're not getting the stacking boost, specifically if you're getting the ADP value boost. So I think it's it's not as sexy, it's not as fun, but you should still be taking those quarterbacks when they're at extreme values. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and honestly, you know, that's the issue I have with Herbert is that I took him at 58 and he has a 53 ADP. Like, was that an extreme enough value for me to kind of have to work backwards into a stack and all that? Um, I would say probably not in hindsight. Uh, but that said, in terms of just the week 17 part of it, like as like you mentioned, like, yeah, the sexy part would be getting Herbert with one of Allen and Williams and then probably Quentin Johnston. Um, so ultimately, I'm getting different from all those guys. But that means that I then need I need Zay Flowers to beat out Quentin Johnston. I need um, Amari Cooper to beat out both the Chargers alpha dogs there. So. Um, thinner, thinner probability, but still, I think a team that could be good if it gets there. I'm going to keep my rookie running back love going. And, you know, this is kind of some of the thinking that I start to do a little bit more as the draft season progresses. And I know, uh, Spags likes to jokingly talk about leveraging other picks, but I specifically passed on an ETN value to grab Jameer Gibbs. And if you're making a bet against Travis ETN, I like the idea of taking Tank Bigsby, the guy I think could be one of the biggest beneficiaries if Travis ETN doesn't pay off his draft cost. And I just like the idea of taking Tyler Algier here because I also have Miami running back, so Mostert does nothing for me. I have a Chicago running back, so Foreman does nothing for me. So it was the right choice, but also a choice that works out well and pairs with Kyle Pitts and uh, maybe I'll get Desmond Ritter as my my QB2 later on. Brandon brings up the good question. Obviously, there's never going to be a one-size-fits-all thing. Brandon says, how much of an ADP value do you need to draft a QB you can't stack? So the one thing I would say is I think about it on a sliding scale. So obviously, say the round two running uh, quarterbacks, I don't need them to fall two rounds and one Josh Allen's never falling two rounds, right? Like if Josh Allen falls eight picks, I'm probably going to make that. As you go further in the draft, I need like more of a value. Like there was the draft where I took Kyler Murray like 60 picks past ADP because he had slid so much. And so the further you get along, I think you want the guy to slide even more. 
Um, that's really probably the best way I can I can say it. But it's also based on your team composition, right? Like Spags didn't have a quarterback yet. He liked what that did for your construction. Um, I think what I'm going to do, because I'm running out of Jared Goff stack options, um, I like the idea of getting a Laporta share here. I feel like he pairs well with Kelsey um, and gets me now two stacking options with Jared Goff and uh, with Gibbs and Laporta. See, I think what you're doing here with Goff is the more appealing version of what I'm trying to do with Herbert, where I'm going to take an ugly charger stack. You're still taking an appealing lion stack. It's just not the most common because people are probably going to take one of Amon Ra or Jameson Williams or somebody like that. Um, so I think you going Gibbs and Laporte is actually a pretty unique way to attack Jared Goff. So I think that's that's a smart move. Yeah, and I've heard, you know, a lot of people, uh, Laporta, I've heard some debate that I think I've agreed with, you know, the Kincaid versus Laporta ADP. Like those guys' ADP should probably be the same. And mm -hmm. it should probably mean that Kincaid is going closer to where Laporte is going. Sure, maybe you want to give them a round higher just because you're getting a Bills premium or whatever. But they do feel like similar vets in that regard. And I think you can argue Laporta even has a cleaner path to targets than Kincaid. Yeah, I mean, they clearly wanted to use the Titans. And that was something, too, that jumped out with some of the numbers. Like uh, the guys who were there at a tight end for Detroit last year, James Mitchell and um, who's uh, Brock Wright. Like we're both really good like per catch in a way that – um, obviously those guys aren't unique talents or anything. So you kind of have to assume that that's part of the offense. And Laporta was so good in college that if he's just as productive as these guys, or at least gets the volume of those guys, maybe a slight increase, like he could pay off by just those two guys rolling into one role. So I think Laporta I'm with you. Like I love Kincaid, but I think Kincaid's gotten steamed up a little bit too much. Whereas Laporta at least should be in the Irv Smith range. If not, like I would take him over Cole Komet in some builds. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, in, if the build makes sense, I think, it is the con the constant struggle of, you know, there is, I guess this is the best way I would think about it. I think there's a pretty big opportunity cost to where Dalton Kincaid is going, you know, the kind of talents that you're passing up on in that range. Whereas once you're getting in the 14th to 15th round range and you're looking around at Rashid Shahid and Curtis Samuel and, you know, Chase Brown, where I'm like, I just don't feel the opportunity cost there um, quite as much. And, that's really my only kind of knock on Kincaid is he is going in a range where you're capturing a lot of the end of the tier two quarterbacks, a lot of the prime zero RB running backs, all of the last potential wide receivers with upside. And so it's a little tougher click when the back end of the draft is just filled with viable tight ends. You know, Michael Mayer is going there. If you want your rookie love, we already mentioned Laporta. You got all the second year guys. Trey McBride should be getting a bump, by the way with with Hopkins out there like he's another guy who should benefit with some added targets so that's why Kincaid's such a tough click is because you're paying such a premium at a position that the cupboard is full of tight ends down the stretch okay so follow me with this logic would you say that it's almost with where Kincaid's going that he makes more sense if he's your tight end one because the bet you're making is that this ADP is not only correct, but he's such an outlier that he's going to make it worthwhile. Because I think yeah. that that sort of like makes sense for me. But I agree. Like I think it's uh, it is a tough window of opportunity if he's just going to be like okay, like these other rookies are going to be. Yeah. No, I I agree. Like if it's and it's same thing with Anthony Richardson. Like if you're taking him, you are playing him as like a, a an elite bet for your team. So I, I would want to be taking Kincaid and assuming he's just has like a historically great year and he's underpriced. What does he have to be? Does he have to be just like rookie year Kyle Pitts to be that? Like a thousand yards? I think so. Yeah. Maybe obviously a few more touchdowns, right? In that Bills yeah. offense than 
than Kyle Pitts had. Um, all right, this looks like a sweet spot for me to draft uh, a running back again. Um, man, I have so much Jeff Wilson, but I am going to take this Deontay Foreman discount here. Almost 15 picks past ADP. Another guy, I think, similar to Penny, who pairs very well with this rookie heavy running back room where Deontay Foreman feel pretty confident he's going to have a role right out of the gate, going to be on the field, going to get some goal line carries. So I think he meshes well with Gibbs, Charbonnet, and Bigsby. There's not a lot I love on the board right now. Um, I guess I could save a running back spot to increase my charters, but uh, I am going to take Jerome Ford here, I think. Nope, I timed down and took Josh Palmer. I couldn't let Josh Palmer slip oh. by me. That was, that was entirely intentional here. I was going to say, Jerome Ford's one of the steamiest guys on the uh, on the draft board. I noticed he's one of the big ADP risers uh, this past week. He is, and we were early on him, so I feel good about my Ford shares already because he has been like my 18th round guy and a lot of builds, but um, I think he's still appealing at 183. The issue is now Ford. Like Ford's gone up 12 picks or something like that. Um, yeah, oh, I don't. I don't like that chat. That never happens in my rooms. Uh, the or should it? The Jerome Ford stuff. What's so interesting to me is again, I, nothing has actually changed, right? I mean, nothing has changed. It's just people are now realizing that he's the backup to Nick Chubb. Is 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 that what happened? I, I'm just trying to think why why that's uh, that's different. Yeah, I guess that would be the only thing. I think it's honestly just that people didn't have that confirmation until he was running with the first team and, and rookie camp or OTAs rather. Um, so I think that's sort of what the the thing is. But it's something we've talked about where people just don't buy in on the logical assumption, which is why I don't assume that people are buying in on Hopkins getting a good location. I think it was just that they were like, yeah, he's he's great as the wide receiver one in Atlanta. And I think that's what they saw for it as like, oh, he's not even the backup. And then he's running with first without Nick Chubb. And they're like, oh, I guess he does have a role. Right which I hate. I hate that logic for it. Like, you know, read the tea leaves a little more. So I'm surprised Spags, you, uh, you said you were considering Jerome Ford or Josh Palmer, but then you took Hunter Renfro coming back. I assumed you would have just grabbed your guy, Jerome Ford. Well, I kind of realized that I need to get a bet in at QB because there's only three rounds left or now only two rounds left. Uh, so I think I'm actually going to go with a two QB build behind Herbert. Cause I did not get the stacks. Um, but also I want to keep the flexibility because I'm not sure yet. Um, I feel comfortable running with Jimmy Garoppolo uh, as my QB two, but I don't know that I should. So I'm kind of going to go down to the wire here. If I take Ritter and Garoppolo, or if I take, um, I guess Spiller and, uh, and Garoppolo or Ritter. So yeah, what we haven't did that. When did that news break? Was that Friday? The stuff about Jimmy Garoppolo failing his, uh, physical and he's essentially now getting paid far less than what his initial contract suggested. And it's basically like, prove it. Like you have to prove that you're healthy enough to play. So now people are spooked. I've seen Devonte Adams sliding a couple spots in drafts. And I guess I don't, I don't know if I formulated a hot take on this, but you're saying that you think it's kind of just noise and that Garoppolo is going to be fine. I tend to think it's noise for me. I don't think it's noise in terms of the ADP. Like I think he's going to fall pretty meaningfully. Um, so that's why I'm willing to take him if he's there late, but probably not going to go out of my way and take him like at, in the one eighties at this point, you know, close to ADP. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, Jimmy, they go away of him if he's not healthy by camp. I mean, he's making the, he took the contract to make a bet on himself. And I think that's still the way like their team construction goes as well. Like they have Brian Hoyer and Aiden O'Connell behind him. Aiden O'Connell wasn't even that great in college. So it's hard to expect him to be great day one. 
Um, he's a veteran guy, though, or like a veteran college guy. So maybe he can have a little more upside as a backup. But they don't have a contingent plan. So like they need Garoppolo to be ready to go, too, or else that whole house of cards is going to fall, including Devontae Adams, who's already unhappy. That's what I was going to say. Do we know the timeline on when did the Raiders know this? Like, when did he fail his physical? Because they went into the draft and they weren't, you know, aggressive with kind of maneuvering or finding. Like, they still seem like pretty content, you know, going in with Jimmy Garoppolo. They were never, um, it didn't seem like ever seriously in the in the Rodgers sweepstakes, but despite like the Devontae Adams connection. I guess what I'm saying is there hasn't seemed to be a whole ton of urgency for the Raiders with regards to their quarterback situation. So if they are worried about Jimmy G, they sure haven't shown it with their actions. Yeah, I don't think they are nervous with it. I think they saw value and I think that's the main thing, but the public's going to be nervous about it. Uh, so I think that's where there kind of runs and loggerheads a little bit where, um, you know, I'm going to take Jimmy G, but I don't think, I think Jimmy G is going to go undrafted in a lot of teams, even if they have Devontae Adams, even if they have Josh Jacobs. Um, so that's my bet right now, but I think he'll be out there and going just because like he's either out there going, or this is the end of Jimmy G's career basically. Cause he's been hurt so many times now. Oh, I'm laughing at my quarterback situation here because I Brock Purdy would make sense as a third quarterback. Um, but I would literally have three week nine, uh, buys, which just seems absurd. Um, let's see here. Great way to flout the people who would taunt you on social media, though, is three QB bye weeks the same week. I know, exactly. I think we're just going to have to get one of my favorites, unless I'm missing any stacks here. Do I get a little Sam Howell action here? All right. Unstack Sam Howell. <laughs> um, let's see. And wide receiver. What could we do here? What do you, you go Ritter? I'm taking Ritter here and I'm going to decide last minute if I go with Garoppolo or if I go with one of the running backs from the Chargers who's a backup. Mm. So I'm at a three, six, six, two done at tight end done at quarterback. I haven't taken a wide receiver since pick 88, probably get to a seventh wide receiver or a seven running back here. I think either would be fine. Yeah, I'm at a two five eight two, so I think I, I think I have my lean, but let's let's find out here. And also, uh, a lot of people watching live. Don't forget, guys, this is a double header stream. The second half of the stream will be on the Splash Play channel, so check that out. And of course, if you're not subscribed to Peach Channel, make sure to do that. He is on his march to fifteen thousand subs, giving away fifteen hundred dollars to three different people. So five hundred dollars each to those folks. If you leave a comment, of course, every comment on Pete's videos counts as an entry. So uh, support him here. I hope that was an adequate plug, Pete, because I think I misspoke one of the times. Somebody accused me of saying you're giving away fifteen hundred dollars to one person. Yes, bags that I was giving away forty five hundred dollars. Um, <laughs> It just keeps if growing. I, it keeps growing. The yeah, more exactly. Yeah. Uh, some people getting comment fatigue, but as Spags mentioned, every single show that I draft on, including this one and the one directly following over on the Splash Play channel, those are eligible for the comment giveaway here. Someone said, Mike says, unstacked how there is gross. Well, newsflash, any quarterback I took would have been unstacked uh, there. I do not have any more stacking options available. I am going to go ahead and get my double stack with uh russell wilson and uh we'll grab tim patrick as my seventh and final wide receiver here it's gonna be hard for you to compete pete with my uh justin herbert isaiah spiller uh gerald everett josh palmer reach stack for the chargers in week 17 that's gonna be the one that really does everybody in there you go 
Uh, here you go, Chris. Sure, I'll do this. If I get to 45,000 uh, YouTube subs, I will do uh, $1,500 to three people each. That is my promise to you. Wait, that, that would be crazy if you just hit 30,000 subs overnight. <laughs> I think I would have to. I think I would have to. I. If I started up. doing like eight, do. eight, eight hour marathon streams every day, I probably could. Uh, but then my entire life would fall apart. <laughs> so what, how bad do you want those subs, Pete? That's the not bad enough. Not <laughs> bad enough. Uh, do you want to give a final reading of the teams? Um, sure. Let's do it here. Uh, all right. So, and again, I know we have mentioned this a few times, but directly following this, we are drafting another team on the Splash Play channel. I have the link in the show description. Um, also, it should just auto-refresh. Uh, I have the redirect here. So if you just stay put, you should immediately be ported over to the Splash Play channel for draft number two, my 31st Best Ball Mania draft. But this one is in the books. Another three-quarterback build for Pete. The Dak Prescott auto-draft snipe uh, definitely hurt. That was probably the one time this entire draft I was tilting. Um, my quarterbacks, though, are Jared Goff, Russell Wilson, and Sam Howell. Got a classic zero RB room here. Um, some might quibble and say Jameer Gibbs, more of a modified anchor RB. I'll let you guys debate that in the comments. Jameer Gibbs, Zach Charbonnet, Rashad Penny, Tank Bigsby, Deontay Foreman, Chuba Hubbard there. Fun zero RB room. Wide receivers, Devonta Smith, Debo Samuel, JSN, Deontay Johnson, Brandon Cooks, Cortland Sutton, and Tim Patrick. And then tight ends, Travis Kelsey and Sam Laporta. So I got the double stack with Goff and the double stack with Russ and an unstacked Sam Howell, much to the chagrin of the chat. What did you end up with, Spags? At QB, Justin Herbert is a value. Desmond Ritter, running back, Javante Williams, Devin A. Chain, Khalil Herbert, Jarek McKinnon, Tyler Algier, and Isaiah Spiller, which is why I needed that extra running back. Devontae Adams, Jalen Waddle, Amari Cooper, Jerry Judy, Zay Flowers, Alan Lazard, Josh Palmer, and Hunter Renfro at receiver. At a tight end, Kyle Pitts and Gerald Everett. This is a real working man's team is what I'd say. Working class, blue collar, a lunch pail kind of team. Yeah, my only, if I'm going to, you know, pick nits, at your team, irrespective of like ADP or player take stuff, just structurally, I feel like I want a either a seventh running back or a third quarterback instead of the eighth wide receiver when you used um, so many early picks at wide receiver. That would be my only thing. Yeah, I think you're right. I took Renfro mostly because I was trying to keep the optionality open, but sometimes that optionality can kind of hurt your team if you don't take a stand and and try to make the team like you're correct. That's what we've talked about a lot on here. Um, what's the closing words, Pete? So we can go hop over the Splash Play channel and do one more draft today here on this post-Memorial Day Tuesday. The final words here are uh, we are streaming all these drafts. Spags has been streaming over on Splash Play on Fridays. Make sure you guys are subscribed to both this channel and the Splash Play channel, um, I will be doing uh, Best Ball Breakfast tomorrow uh, with Pat Crane in the first draft, defending Best Ball Mania 3 champ, and then Sean Siegel from Rotoviz in the second draft, so you guys can tune in for that. But come follow us over to Splash Play Specs. It'll be a lot of fun on there. The second hour is, in fact, the tilting hour. Pretty much no, no matter when we're drafting, whether it's together or apart, that second hour gets ugly. So go over at Splash Play Pod. Go check it out or stay here on the channel. and It'll redirect. We'll see you guys over there in about a minute. So bye. Peace. Bags, we are back for the Tuesday Splash Play doubleheader where you and I battle it out for $3 million in the Best Ball Mania three streets. What are we going to be looking at today? 
Well, it's the second part of the stream here, the second hour of draft. So Pete and I, I'm sure, will be tilting heavily on the course of this one. You can see the screen coming up here. Pete and I lovingly framed. I am in the four hole in this draft. Pete is in the nine hole. So you'll be drafting another back of the round team. And I can't wait for your run, Pete, of Influencer 101s because you know it's coming. That's just how this goes. And you have been firmly in the back of drafts lately. Yeah, I'm trying to see. I should see what my exposures are here at the top. Um, Justin Jefferson, I'm at 13.8%. So I'm I'm slightly, Ooh. but where I'm really low is two and three spots because Jamar Chase, I'm at 3.4%. Christian McCaffrey, 3.4%. I've been in the middle a lot because I have 20% Cooper Cup. Um, but yeah, uh, a lot of picks in the back lately. Yeah, I am. I'm actually curious now about mine, but let me make sure. Okay, I've got a couple of picks. Uh, receiver, I have... See how much Justin Jefferson I have. I have 10% Justin Jefferson, but I have yeah, 5% Jamar Chase. So I guess I'm also low on the 102s. 5% yeah, cup. I need to. Oof. Yeah. I need to I need to boost my uh my chase. I need more chase. Yeah, I mean, I I talked about it on Friday a little bit. I do think Chase is somewhat overvalued, like in terms of um, he's not Justin Jefferson. Like, I don't think you should take him in the one-on-one spot unless we're at the end of August and you realize you have 20% Jefferson and, and no Jamar chase. But I do think like, I would feel bad if I didn't have at least 8% Jamar chase coming in. Like same thing for cup, same thing for Tyreek. Yeah. I think you can do that. I, I understand what you're saying. And I think you can do the same thing of Hill versus Waddle. Uh, Greg asked me in the chat, how much Tyreek I am at uh 10.3% Tyreek. I, I like Cooper club. Cooper Club, <laughs> Cooper Cup slightly more than Tyreek. And that is played out in the exposures. I have 20% cup. Um, I think ideally that hill would come up though. I don't mind being overweight on Tyreek. See, I am very much team hill over cup. Like I still like Cooper Cup, but um Miami's offense being great, great this year would not be a shocker. It already you know was teetering on great last year, but the injuries obviously caught up. But you know, Tyreek had like 1700 yards last year, didn't he? He had like some out crazy number that I mean. It's hard for me to expect this offense to be completely different. It's not like they're going to run the ball. The defense isn't that much improved. So I don't think the game script has changed very much. Uh, let's. What is? Does no one want Travis Kelsey anymore? It just every draft I get one nine and he falls three spots past ADP. Uh, I, I, yeah, I think it's the Mahomes part of it would be my guess. Yeah. All right. Let's. Normally I get like bored, you know, and be like, oh, let's just do something different. But uh, whatever. Let's take Travis Kelsey back to back Travis Kelsey drafts. I think I have a good amount of Kelsey too. Like I, I talked about having a lot of Andrews, but I have, I have 7.7% Kelsey and BBM. I must have more in the poodles. Cause I was getting them a lot. I think in the poodles and the puppy, mm. all these drafts. So you said you're drafted chow chow teams. Is that like a really good structure? Because I, feel I love like filling up fast. I love the structure of, yeah. of the chow chow. It's just like, it's honestly hard. Like, you know, Pete and I are lucky, lucky enough, I think, to have some bankroll to spend on this stuff because uh, we I've certainly limited my DFS exposure to NBA. So like all that money goes towards best ball. It's hard though, to, like psychologically to do all these drafts and then like another $50 draft and 15 max. Like, um, I think you have to pick and choose your battles a little bit. It's not you because you're only streaming your BBM teams, but um, pick your battles a little bit for some of this stuff. Yeah, so the I, I'm taking Garrett Wilson here travis kelsey garrett wilson start but so the the chow chow spags it's um obviously 50 dollars buy-in two out of 12 you know weeks one through 14 then two out of eight in week 15 and then two out of eight 
in week 16. So that's really nice as far as getting into the final. So the max tournament size, uh, 5,568. 10th um, place, you'd still like to see a little bit more. It's 4% of first, uh, first place 50,000. Um, 10th place, 2000. So, you know, ideally it would be smoothed out a little bit more, but just like the, the way the size works and only needing to finish top 25% in weeks 15 and 16 to advance, I think is pretty nice. Yeah. That makes sense then why people are so into it. And yeah, so I think it's 50 K to first, right? So like definitely a nice prize pool for that, uh, advanced rate level. Um, all right. Everything goes here. Obviously not trying to take Nick Chubb. Um, yeah, he's not even an ADP value. So I'm going to reach and grab T Higgins here. Is did it, did someone say batches in our draft again? He is. He's drafting Bijan and Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> I wonder, does batch just spot us as marks? He's like, I can, I can get in these rooms and draft whatever goddamn running backs I want. I can get Bijan Robinson at 11. I'm going to follow these splash boy, splash play boys around and, and draft with them all summer long. I mean, he said he was a big fan, but I suppose he could just be a fan of drafting teams that run counter to everything we talk about and believe in on these streams. Or maybe he's auto-drafting again based off his rankings that were very RB forward. We don't know, but uh, Batch 9, you can see here in the 11 hole, uh, seems to love his running backs every single time we go out there. I, I, re I respect it. I, I just like I, I just feel like it's the thing though. I, I've been mentioning it in the last stream, but I'm seeing the same patterns every summer where like there was one guy in particular who was uh you know somebody who followed me from the stochastic days who had reached out last summer and was like, Why do you draft so many wide receivers? Like, I just love taking running backs. And then like by the end of the uh, the best ball cycle, he was like, I see now why you took receivers. <laughs> I feel like that's that's the case for anybody who starts with best ball, and um I would warn against it like uh, I think season long foot like fantasy football just beats in our brains, like running backs, running backs, running backs. And in best ball, if you carry those tendencies over, I just think you build much worse teams. Yeah. I, I just think, I feel like people who like running backs can have their cake and eat it too this year, specifically with those running backs going at the two, three turn, you can get that elite running or elite wide receiver in the top five or six picks. Um, and then still end up with two running backs that have top five, top three, you know, overall RB1 upside. I know we can poke holes in Brees Hall, Ramondre, Tony Pollard, like their profiles and situations aren't like perfect. You know, if they were, they would be going 101, 102, but any of those guys could finish as the overall RB1 and it wouldn't be shocking. And you used to have to pay around one or round two price for those kind of profiles. And so I do think you can draft smart um, and still build out you know, really well-balanced teams and getting those running backs that you love. Yeah, Evan. so Evan Batchelor, who is Batch9, saying, I think that there's a lot of merit to treating the flex spot as a running back. I think Sam Sherman had tweeted something similar out about that. Um, I get the logic. I just think you're really capping your upside of receiver so much. And like Pete was talking about there, you could still treat the running back a position as a potential flex spot, but you could do that with Brees Hall in the third round. I have an interesting combo here. Two guys I like a lot that I never get on the same team, Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall. You know, normally Brees Hall is gone by the time the Garrett Wilson drafter is able to get him at the back end of the third round. So that's kind of a fun uh, pick there to get both of those guys on the same team. That's normally tough to do. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that, well, I guess I shouldn't say it out loud. I would like you to see a certain player come back to you. Oh, never mind. Amari Cooper went in the top 30. He went 26. Okay. Oh, yeah. Wow. All right. Never mind. Someone had, well, someone did what I did, right? I got Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall on the same oh. team. Someone had to get the Chubb and Amari Cooper there. Uh, Oof. Which also, again, if ahead. you think about, 
I, I, I don't love that decision personally, but if you're thinking about unique combos, it is hard to get Chubb and Amari on the same team based on where they go, right? You know, Chubb is always going early round three and Amari's always going at the three, four turn. So unless you make a big reach or if you're in the middle, I guess if you were in the middle of the second round and you took Nick Chubb around pick 18 or 19 and then Amari at 30 or 31, maybe it's not super unique, but I'm guessing it's pretty unique. Was that a deliberate ATN timeout? Uh, yes. Okay. Okay. I was wondering because you were still extrapolating as though you were not aware you were on the clock and I was worried for you. I'm basically doing the sliding doors version of what I did last draft where Gibbs goes. So this time I took ETN. Um, last time I took Debo. This time I took Brees Hall. So, so basically you're correlating your two teams, some could say. Yeah, I'm pulling a Spags <laughs> and trying to leverage up my own portfolio. But if you know, if you're not, if you know the brick caddy, that's one way to kind of keep your exposures aligned. So I, I would support it. Um, I'm on the clock here, though. Did take Mark Andrews again for the umpty time. So I will not be going that route here. Uh, <laughs> I guess I could correlate <laughs> with Mike Williams here, Pete. <laughs> I love that we're just each going to do the same draft we just did. <laughs> but no, yours should be different. You were you're from the four hole. Yes, mine will be different, and I got Mike Williams this time, so he's going to correlate well with my previous Justin Herbert. When Justin Herbert goes off on that team, Mike Williams here will be a part of that benefit. Did you consider Burrow? Um, briefly. I mean, yeah. we'll, we'll see. Maybe he'll maybe he'll come back. Yeah. If, if you love something, set it free. That's what I say. The um, yeah, I a raise it make an interesting point. And then you just say in the last draft, ETN was overvalued a couple rounds. He is. He is. But if you still want to get a guy, you got to take him where he's going. Yeah. The the truth is, is that I wasn't paying that close attention and uh, just panicked the top guy at the queue. <laughs> <laughs> You're like that tag Bigsby, more like stank Bigsby. Not, not a guy I would ever pick up. Well, team ATN, ride or die. See, now the, the team from the two hole with Chase uh, gets the burrow at pick five, two, which is pretty nice. Yeah, I get it. I, I just, like, I'm perfectly okay not taking a QB in the first few rounds and just figuring it out. Um, this board also may be setting up for a little bit of fun, Pete. Maybe a little bit of fun. Is this what? I'm trying to see what you're, Pittman, and then, <laughs> do you, I see, this is the one thing, like, again, I, I, I like correlating too, but I just, I do wonder how much, you know, Anthony Richardson and Pittman, like, I do like, correlating Richardson more with Pierce and Jelani Woods late than, than with Pittman. So yes, I agree for the most part though. I think Pittman is undervalued just because like he was playing a role for the previous offense that I don't think is necessarily a player. He is like a dots usually sticky, but his a dot fell from USC to being a little bit lower on the Colts. And I think that was kind of them putting him in a little bit of a box. Um, I think he can play outside more. He's not kind of a pure natural downfield guy like Alec Pierce is, but I think he just benefits if Richardson is good. Um, so I'm willing to take Pittman here. And I, I take an unstack Pittman sometimes too. Like I, I don't mind him as a player. I um, even though I know he's kind of gotten less sexy. He's still young. Like he's, I think it was only 24, maybe 25. Yeah. He was an older prospect, but he's still young. It's 25 turns 26 in October. I don't know. I'm there with them, but I agree. Like I like, I certainly like Pierce and I like those guys. Uh, Jelani Woods though, I will point out, I have a lot of Jelani Woods. Um, Kylan Granson was taking the snaps because Woods is banged up to start the year. Never great to see that for a guy who kind of has to make the leap. So 
Um, I'm still taking Woods. I think he's better, but I, I probably will take some Kylan Granson. And also Will Mallory looked good in the OTAs as well, apparently. So Who? something to keep in mind if you're like me and heavy on Woods. Who looked good in OTAs? Will Mallory, Miami tight end, who they drafted this year. Wow. <laughs> I, look, I'm ready. I'm in mid-season form, Pete. I've said it from day one, but Mallory was a guy that they went out of their way to get. So, um, you know, new regimes taking a guy and a guy who was pretty good in college. So Will Mallory is definitely a name to, to file away in the record books. There you go. This is going to be a draft where I take the guys that I don't normally take that I think are overvalued. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm even reaching to do them just because all the wide receivers are off the board. There's not a single wide receiver on the board right now who's an ADP value, but I have Travis Kelsey. Let's get a, a Kadarius Tony share here. I, I am team Kadarius Tony, and this has actually been wow, but the guy in the 12 hole is is scheming wide receivers hard six in a row which is an ideal spot, Pete, for him to not draft another one. But do you think he keeps drafting wide receivers? Uh, six. Hmm. This is, yeah, this one. will. I, I would say the smart money is that he ends up taking a seventh. Which would be okay late, but if he takes a seventh, like before the 15th round, you're, you're dulling the effect of going a radicalize your RB is the new phrasing for that one. Yeah, and the, the one thing I would say about this team Every single one of their quarterbacks is still available. And that's the thing I've talked about where sometimes it's hard to get your stacks when you go all those straight wide receivers. But, you know, Las Vegas, uh, I guess if you're if you're Galaxy branding Hopkins to a, a Bills or Chiefs, that's not available. But Love, Goff, Kirk Cousins, Kyler, all those guys still available for them to set up those stacks. Do we still want to draft Kyler? Like, do you still feel comfortable doing that? I mean, I don't feel comfortable. Uh drafting him i'm not going out of my way but i think we're going to continue to get some pretty insane discounts on him i mean the times i've taken him have been like at pick 180 um which i certainly don't mind there hmm okay this is an interesting spot Mixon makes sense for me here um i do like goddard but obviously he doesn't make the most sense but i do love pickens i'm going to take pickens over Mixon, and we'll see what comes back but i, I imagine Mixon will probably go to this guy who has burrow no, he took Pacheco. There goes Mixon. I don't know if there's a lot of rhyme or reason to what the that drafter's doing there. Well, uh, I, mean, I guess he had he had Mahomes. All right, so taking Pacheco makes some sense there. Yeah, so that, okay, I, I got to mix up. The guy who's going here is the one who has Burrow. So the Burrow guy took Mixon, and then the Mahomes guy took Pacheco. They're both building their Cincinnati KC, which, of course, going to be the most popular Week 17 correlation to hit. And, um, and you've got a little taste. No, you've got a taste of the KC side, not the Cincy side yet. Just a little taste. It's a little taste. Wet, wet the beak a little bit. All right. On the clock. Um, God, is this really Damian Pierce time? It's 14 like spot after ADP. Yeah, I'm doing it. At pick 76? Yeah, I. that's when I'll take Damian Pierce. I don't like him at ADP, but at this spot, he's, I think, worth it. Yeah. Especially given that I am a Singletary bitch. That's what everyone's calling you these days. <laughs> they, they taunt me. They go, Singletary bitch, Singletary bitch. And they poke <laughs> me sticks. Uh, I've also, Pete, gotten, uh, we've gotten to monetize the last two streams for using the F word too much, which I didn't know was a thing. Like, because usually wait, it's like, seriously? You yeah, you don't use it in the first 30 seconds and you're okay. But apparently now it's like doing the caption checking. So if you'd use it even late in the stream, you can't drop too many F words. Wait, I I I say the F word on my channel all the time, and I've never gotten hit with that. 
I yeah, the last two have been limited availability or limited suitability for ads. For Seriously, us. I've legit never seen that. I had I I dropped a lot of F-bombs. So the Friday stream, which of course Pete Pete would not watch a Friday stream of me on a holiday weekend. So I'm, I'm gonna explain to Pete what happened. I drafted a Titans team. I did two drafts in a row. Had planned on doing one, but drafted a really clean Commander stack with the randomizer wheel. Um, was like I'll go back to the well, draft another team. I then got sniped Pete on every Titans player, and then the guys were in the chat explaining why it was okay for them to take these guys, even though they like didn't make the most sense for some of them. Like there were a couple of good defenses, but overall, I was just like the tilt of all tilt and, and muted them briefly for five minutes get sent them on a little time oh you put some people in timeout you really were uh wow the chat is uh confirming that you're on epic tilt on friday yeah there we go epic tilt uh tilted spags yes i i went off there um and it was it felt good felt good to get the acidity out that's nothing else and it was good too because those guys were good sports and stayed in the chat uh but not the way to build a channel for the most part is (laughs) to berate people until they leave or, or time them out dude i hate this draft my ETN mess up has now set me down just like the grossest path where I'm having to take all these wide receivers ahead. Another guy that I think is overvalued that I don't think I have a single share of yet. Um, but if I'm building out something with jets, I guess I'll get a fucking Elijah Moore share at pick 88. God, it's disgusting. (laughs) Yeah, not great. This really did. The room shifted. I feel like around here, but also this guy in the 12 spot spamming receiver early probably hurt. The guy who can't dig out of this is going to be batch. I mean, I feel like I can't dig out of it. How is batch going to be able to dig out of it? Batch has got Debo, Michael Thomas and Cortland Sutton as his three receivers. Yeah. (laughs) That's why you don't fall in love with a running back. This is quite the comment from no skill, all luck here. I would slap my mother in the face full force for Damian Pierce around. I still think I'd take Devin Singletary. Hop, hop in a few, uh, keep hopping in our drafts. Uh, and I promise you, you will get hop in a ship chasing draft. You will get Damian Pierce around and a half and you don't even have to slap your mother. Well, Pete, there's only one quarterback here who I correlate with <laughs> at this spot. Come on down. AR. Where's the Jersey? Where's <laughs> you are such a cliche of yourself at this point. At pick 93. What I think I've asked you that. What what is your exposure at right now? Um, I didn't get him in the Dalmatian, I will say that. Um yeah. I am at 42% overall, 38.5% in BBM. 38% Anthony Richardson. Yep. It's going to dial back. It's slowly coming down. It's just I'm pacing out the dial back. Yeah, clearly. You know who's getting first team reps at uh, at OTAs, Pete? One Anthony Richardson. He's splitting them with Gardner Minshew, but he was the outlier. First team reps? He better be getting Hall of Fame reps based on where you're drafting him and at the frequency you're drafting him. Some could say that. Um, hmm. You know... Tough one, Tua or Charbonnet? I'm gonna put them both in the queue. Tua, what would you do, Tua or Charbonnet? I'd push quarterback in this room personally, but all right, I'll go Charbonnet. Hopefully, that time there we go. Okay, quit. So, Charbonnet will correlate there with my little bit of pickings, and we'll push Tua. We'll see if Tua comes back to us. Probably not. I guess, I guess you could have looked and seen if the waddle, the waddle 
drafters behind you. So, uh, oh, but not behind you. Sorry, I thought this was on the wrap. So the Waddle owner probably will will take him unless unless a long acre here doesn't want to have Lamar and Waddle in the same week 17 game. They might've been reading those threads. Ooh, that would be nice. That'd be nice. We'll see. I'm willing to take the risk here. I have so much Tua uh, that I'm okay with losing a share of Tua. The one could say that about AR and clearly I was afraid of losing that share of AR. God, I, this is probably, this is probably my least favorite draft of my 31 drafts. <laughs> Really? I mean, yeah. I guess you really did get baited into taking a lot of receivers early that you don't love. Yeah, I hate all of this. But now that I can correlate uh, Brian Robinson versus the Jets in week 16, I feel fine again. <laughs> I think your your team has uh, got players on it. That much is for sure. I like Kadarius Tony. I, I don't know why people don't. Um... I mean, I get. I mean, there's a there's a shit ton of risk to the Tadarius the Kadarius Tony pick for sure. But that's like the injury risk part of it. The fact that he just keeps getting like the hamstring issues or something else. No, there's. It's not just the injury. I mean, he barely was running routes in the playoffs when they needed him the most. I I mean, I still think that's because of him starting behind the eight ball in terms of getting the offense where he needs to be. But but Pete, you're on the clock here. So what what player will you take? Um, I'm going to take a QB. Um, I guess, I mean, I have my big bet on the jet, so I got to take Rogers here. <laughs> whenever, whenever I get the AR, I want Pete gets his AR Aaron Rodgers, the, the mobile, yeah, QB. The, the true, <laughs> the true AR. Uh, see, so I think the route participation thing is just overblown just because of the fact that like, again, he missed the key installs in the offseason. He came in after what, six weeks, seven weeks didn't, or, you know, like didn't play until eight weeks in. So I still think that's the main reason he wasn't out there when it mattered the most. And now there's no Juju out there. I think the big risk for him is they add Hopkins and then that just kind of makes it where they shift Tony inside and he's competing for more snaps. But I just don't buy it. Like he was so good last year and there's enough camp talk about him and things like that, that I think it's, I think it's overblown. Um, but he's also priced, obviously, like it's not over. You can thank me for giving you two, a two rounds past ADP. Thank you. Thank you, Pete. We're not worthy. If We're if if worthy. I wasn't a good friend, I would have told you to take two and you did. There's no chance he's coming back. But I knew in this room, quarterbacks kicking around. No, good call by you. That's again, that's why I say you're the sharpest best ball drafter who streams teams out there because you know the pockets better than anybody. And I love AR2 as my QB duo. Like that's one of my favorite ones I draft. I, uh, which duo? AR2. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah Tua, that you have none of. <laughs> I, I think, I think Tua is the most undervalued quarterback in drafts. I think Tua should be going where Herbert. It, I think he should be going like right after Herbert and before like Trevor Lawrence and wow, you're getting, okay. a, you're getting a big discount on that. I think that's where AR should go as well. I think he should be in that Trevor Lawrence mix, mix given the fact that he's going to be running so much from day one. They're already running RPOs and OTAs, Pete. That's too accurate. I will happily, I will happily book any bet of Tua versus Anthony Richardson uh, fantasy points. All right, well, let's, let's draft a, a player here and we'll regroup on that. Um, definitely another running back spot here. Um, I do have Cincinnati, so I'm going to take Jarek McKinnon. I would normally would take Elijah Mitchell, but I'll take the week 17 correlation here. Did back-to-back drafts with McKinnon for you, right? 
Yeah, I prefer Pacheco. Um, I also think yeah. you could, I, I would take CEH in the 18th round too. Like, I don't think that's bad if he's in shape and like this is his do or die year. Um, but McKinnon's still there. I don't know. He doesn't do a lot for me, Pete, but I like he had the spike weeks when it mattered last year. So I'll still draft him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm kind of, I have sticker shock on his price. I think, all right. So I, I was hoping Gino would fall to me. Um, cause I have uh Tyler Lockett, but this kind of works out well for this build. So I'm going to get Daniel Jones at a big value, 20 picks past ADP. And he also gives me multiple backdoor wide receiver stacking options. And I'm already feeling thin mm. at wide receiver. So that's kind of a nice tiebreaker there for me. If I'm still chasing wide receivers in this round to at least have a quarterback who has some of those guys available. And if nothing else, you'll dominate New York post headlines for the entire fall. How so? You have Aaron Rodgers and Daniel Jones. That's just how, oh, how, how their media right. works. They're going to have snarky headlines about Anthony, uh, not Anthony Richardson. Hopefully. I, I miss I miss that coastal elite uh, joke uh, from you there. Uh, I, I will take some some laurels here. Two A, which seems like a nice high ceiling, high floor combo. That's why Bindles is my favorite streamer in the game. A plus draft so far for Spags. I agree. I agree. All right, Lawrence will be where Burrow is. People love Trevor Lawrence. Don't agree. They do. Um. So this is normally a spot where I always take Alec Pierce and I do not think I ever take Jalen Hyatt. Um, but if there's ever a time to take Jalen Hyatt, it's probably when I'm behind at wide receiver and just selected Daniel Jones. So let's take a flyer on the Rook. Uh, Jalen Hyatt in uh, the OTA is running with the twos so far, though obviously that doesn't matter for a rookie, but it was uh, Darius Slayton um, with Isaiah Hodgins and then uh, Paris Campbell running out of the slot was their, their first team in OTAs. The uh, the team with 19 slot wide receivers. But like I said, uh, all still on the board. Hodgins, Wondell Robinson, Darius Slayton, and Paris Campbell. So the backdoor Danny Dime stacks uh, are easy. I will say, though, Pete, I know I know we talked about a little bit last year where there was a Darius Slayton renaissance. Uh, you are in the year where I think it's Darius Slayton. I'm in the year, apparently, of Alec Pierce. So I'm going to take him here. Ooh. Ooh. I, I like... My favorites, I love I love Slayton. Honestly, my three favorite cost adjusted would be Slayton Hodgins and Wandell Robinson. We do you know who I never get anymore? I don't get any more Darren Waller. He always goes off the board before I'm comfortable with it. He is the boomer tight end new spot thing, I think. Like I He's he's getting he's getting old. It's a new offense. It's not going to be a high volume pass offense. I think there's a lot of reasons to not take Darren Waller, but I also took him very heavy last year and got burned by it. So I might be a little bit tilted by that. Um, but it's just like they have so many bodies. I don't know how you could trust one more than the others going, you know, 50 spots ahead of the others in ADP. Yeah, because what let me see. What's his ADP right now? So Waller's ADP is 80. And what seems messed up to me is Goddard's ADP is 68. So you're like, you're just around behind Goddard now. And to me, Goddard is pretty well ahead. I would also take Ingram over him. Like I, um, Ingram versus Waller is close and, but you're getting Ingram at a 12 pick discount relative. Uh, yeah. Ingram's at 92 and a half ADP. Yeah. I, I don't know. I actually, okay. Most are, you know, I'm going to get tank Bigsby here. It's a leverage against Travis ATN. <laughs> no, to go with my Houston play. I'll take Tank Bigsby. Yeah, 
you're building out your zero RB. Oh, never mind. Team. Never mind. Yeah. No, never mind. It's just a leverage against you, not the second part. <laughs> of course, Houston not leveraging against my team in the first hour. Yes. Yeah. So you're leveraging against your first team. I'm leveraging against this team. It all works out when you think about it like that. That's why I get chats like this. Too sharp here. Forgetting who plays on week 17 and leveraging against Pete's second team in a stream. Let's see. Oh my God. I have Waller and Kittle rage. Seems at least a unique look. I I don't see it. I don't see it. Hang on one sec. I am going to... What are we at? One, one dolphin in every draft. Well, here's the thing I'll say about... So with, with guys from what? Kittle, Pitts, Waller. All of these guys were, were spike week hunting, right? Like no one expects those guys to turn into Travis Kelsey and earn 10 targets a game for the whole season. You're mm -hmm. basically saying like, which of these guys can go off for 25 plus points in one of the fantasy playoffs. And Waller certainly has that upside. We we've seen it before. So in, in that regard, um, I get it. Yeah. All right. I'll allow that one. And I also will allow a quick pandering for some scribes on here. Of course, we are doing these double headers every Tuesday and Friday's spag stacks where I spin a wheel, sometimes draft one team, sometimes draft two against my own goodwill and good ideas rather. But uh, it keeps going here on Splash Play Fantasy Football all year round. And we appreciate each and every one of you who joined this little community of ours as Pete picks us, oh, putting your money where your mouth is with Wandale Robinson. Yeah. At first, I was like, I think. I mean, wide receiver is just absolutely decimated in this room. It looks like Rashid Shahid is the only player wide receiver available with a higher ADP right now. I thought about taking another running back there, but I'm like, why, why mess around? Yeah, I think that's a reasonable one. And Wandale, certainly the, the player that you like the most though. So this doesn't matter to you, I don't think, but the fact that Hyatt and Wandale theoretically playing for the same position, does that play into your head at all? I think they're different players. I mean, Hyatt is like, at least how he was used at Tennessee, was a downfield deep threat. He did run out of the slot a bit, but Wandell Robinson, I feel like the A dot of those two players is going to be completely different. Um, Wandell used near the line of scrimmage, like a lot of the gimmicky stuff, quick hitters, and Hyatt, I think, is going to be more of a downfield guy. So I think more where I would get into that is with, like, I probably, I would not take Paris Campbell probably on a, on a Wandell team. Um, but I'm, I'm going to end up triple stacking dimes here. I'm going to end up with at least one of Hodgins or Slayton still. Okay. Which I think is an interesting bet to make too, because you're making a bet that seems logical that Daniel Jones passes more and has more success with the weapons around him, which I don't think people are playing enough of like Jones goes naked a lot in drafts, which I don't think is correct either. Especially when you have free Slayton and free Campbell in the 18th round and free Hodgins later. You know, yeah. Yeah. It well, yeah, and I mean it it's the market does this, right? With situations. Another good example of it right now is the Cowboys running back two situation, right? If we knew for a fact who the RB2 was in Dallas, that would probably be a 14th or 15th round pick in every draft. But we don't know if it's Malik Davis, Deuce Vaughn, or Rojo. And so everyone just shrugs their shoulders and doesn't select them at all. I think if you knew the pecking order for the Giants wide receivers, a couple of these guys would be going you know, in the 11th, 12th round, right after Danny Dimes. But because we don't, you're getting all of them at a discount. I'm taking my sixth running back here. was thinking about taking Hunter Renfro for the week, uh, the week six or week 17 of it all rather, but I can get done at running back here with my six guys and Chase Brown correlates with my Kansas City bet for week 17. So um, I'm not out on Chase Brown yet, even though it seems like Joe Mixon is more inclined to come back than not. 
some crazy uh, quarterback values in this room. Um, where was our team on the end there who was pissing? Ended up getting Kirk and Russell Wilson. Uh, I was going to say their uh, Jordan Love is kicking around here, almost 25 picks past ADP. Jordan Love falls a lot in some rooms, and he goes early in some rooms. I feel like he's got – that's sort of how ADP works and everything, but I feel like he's got a very wide range of where he's going depending upon how much the room loves him. Yeah. Um. So Hodgins does go. Um. So I guess my last chance here uh, will just be reaching heavily here, but there's nothing – is there anything at running back that I need to look at right now? Let's just grab Slayton. I mean – we're just fucking throwing ADP out the window in this one. Backdoor Daniel Dimes triple stack. Wow, Slayton in the 15th, huh? Man. I mean, there's there's no... I mean, you took Josh Palmer in the 15th. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know, but like it makes sense with this one. But Because there's nobody else you would even take at receiver at this point that makes sense for your team. No, yeah. I'm And the running back stuff is getting wiped here, too. I'm glad I'm done at running back because it seems like there's not a lot left of actual value. This my running my last running back selection here is actually going to work out decently because to me there is like a pretty you know Jerome Ford I feel confident about his role as the RB two. I also get him correlated with my Jets bet in Week 17, and then like you're in Leonard Fournette, Gus Edwards, Kareem Hunt potential RB three territory the rest of the way. Yeah, and honestly, I think where you're taking Slayton too, I will say that, I'm um, just looking at the shot on the screen from Tyler, I think that Slayton should be going in the 15th round. He should probably even be going a little bit higher than that, if we're being honest. But um, All right, I'm on the clock here. I'm actually going to do an interesting correlation that I like for Week 17. Um, I like Michael Mayer as being a, a Raiders run back here. Of course, I get so much Anthony Richardson that I need to get different with it somewhere, but Mayer, I think, is a nice player to throw into the mix and a guy who could have, actually, a very big Week 17. I could have maybe Meech took Miko Hardman there. Oh wow, dude, th those back-to-back -back picks were rough. Uh, how many times do I, I? There's like twice a calendar year where I want Tyler Conklin. Please tell me you did this as a bit. They have David Njoku, so they had to core. I, I guess I'll give them that correlation. <laughs> Tyler Conklin does not want to be part of your team at all costs. Maybe I'll just. Uh, the, the, the great thing about tight end when you have Travis Kelsey is it doesn't matter who your tight end to is, but was looking forward to one more jet stack there. Yeah. Also uh, a lot of, a lot of Hyatt fun in the chat, by the way, people really besmirching Jalen Hyatt's semi. I, 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 hate it. I, I, this was my first share of Jalen Hyatt. He's overpriced. Uh, hmm. I am going to take tank Dell here. Uh, get another Houston bet that I, I'm not going to get Shroud because it doesn't make sense for this to be a three QB build, but I still think Houston has some life in part because of Shroud being there. So that's why I'm willing to take tank. But yeah. Every position feels like it thinned out more than usual in the 17th. Yeah. The quarterbacks, uh, I guess now the quarterbacks are all gone too. Yeah. Well, Kyler goes at 197, which honestly feels about right to me. Well, I am I'm going to take uh Dawson Knox here at at pick 201 um as my second tight end. Th this Dawson Knox ADP is out of control. 
Um, people have lost their goddamn minds on the Knox versus Kincaid stuff. <laughs> a good point out. Andrew's saying, I did take both tanks here. If there's anybody named Tank, I'm lining up to get them. Both diminutive receivers, running backs that don't avoid tackles that well. Anybody named Tank, I'm on board. <laughs> the ba So Batch... Okay, Batch did a 3QB build where he took all 3QB... Batch is doing some weird shit out here, man. <laughs> Batch likes to live a little. Trey Lance and Brock Purdy. What if it's... <laughs> so Sam Darnold's going to start just because of Batch. I couldn't even quit uh, drafting Giants wide receivers that I had to start drafting former Giants wide receivers and took Richie James. <laughs> uh, yeah, people love Richie James. Uh, Richie James not running with the first team so far. And it doesn't even seem like he's in that wide receiver four group um, from what was in OTAs. It's like Rashi Rice and Ross, both Rosses competing in that wide receiver four room. But not I'm saying sorry, that's a fight. I, down, I, I, know I do it. not care at all about what wide receiver groupings are happening in May, where they're obviously clearly going to be getting all the rookies more reps. That's mm -hmm. not necessarily true. The rookies usually have to earn their way up the depth chart. So I think if a rookie's starting, you're like, oh, interesting. If a rookie's down the second team, it's like, whatever, they'll get there eventually, you would think. The whole point of running with the ones is when they are simulating game prep. Um, and they're not doing that right now. They're literally just fucking drills. <laughs> like the order does not matter in May. Two, six, seven, two. This is like a pure luxury pick, I think, for me. Um, oh, timed out. Bryce Young, QB3. Did you have him in the queue or no? No, I just, I didn't get Jelani to Woods. I never hit the queue button first. That's my big flaw. I mean, it doesn't matter. This was honestly a pure luxury pick because I didn't care for any position. Um, Bryce Young, though, definitely not necessary here, but he does correlate with uh, Jacksonville. Yeah, okay, that works out. This is going to end up being my best team all year because I hated it. I uh, can't wait for the reading, the, the the celebratory, the holiday reading of the teams here. Um, yeah, definitely feels like a post-memorial day lull for you <laughs> kind of team. Yeah, the I told Spags before the show, uh, our coverage for April uh, fell through today. So my entire day got blown up um, and I've been tilting ever since, tilting through these drafts, tilting through. I like I drafted all the players I don't like in this draft. ETN, Brian Robinson, Kadarius Tony, Elijah Moore, Jalen Hyatt. I literally hate all these picks. Well, let's hear. Let's read Pete's team here. And I'll and Pete, you know what? I'll read it for you and I'll do it with a little special love. At QB, Pete got Aaron Rodgers and Daniel Jones, New York superstar. The real AR. Say the real AR, Spags. The, the, the quote unquote real AR, Aaron Rodgers. At running back, he got Brees Hall, Travis Etienne, Brian Robinson, Raheem Mostert, and Jerome Ford. A trendy pick in the streets, and Pete got him at a little bit of a value. At receiver, Pete got Garrett Wilson, Tyler Lockett, Kadarius Toney, Rashad Bateman, Elijah Moore, Jalen Hyatt, Wandale Robinson, Darius Slayton, and Richie James, all guys who played for the Giants recently, and a tight in Travis Kelsey and Dawson Knox Pete I think you crushed it um I I did not crush it uh but it is unique it is unique and my team to compare it to I took Anthony Richardson Tua and a timed out Bryce Young at the end 40 picks after ADP uh Damian Pierce Zach Charbonnet Jarek McKinnon Tank Bigsby Jeff Wilson Chase Brown at running back at receiver Tyreek T Higgins Mike Williams Michael Pittman George Pickens Alec Pierce and Tank Dell and a tight end Mark Andrews and Michael Mayer 
it could have been a little better. Mr. Mister, though, wants his team sauced, Pete, and he's in the 10 spot. Uh, so sauce him up. TM Longacre. He's, awesome. uh, he's got Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott, which, see, I can't sauce teams, Pete, because I think, oh, it's like, you got nice values here. It's like, okay. Um, Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott. We we also need to, I think we need to raise the bar of like, if you're going to control the show, I mean, it's like, does $2 really move the content needle for us bags? <laughs> or do we need, if we're going to be dance around like puppets, like if someone walked up to you on the side of the street spags and gave you $2 and they were like, do 10 burpees right now, would you do it for two bucks? No, no, that's not enough. That's not enough. Yeah. So I, I mean, let's see here. Let's well, I'll point out one shitty pick. You, the thing that happens is when people want, and this happens on ship chasing too, when they want you to sauce their team, it's because they really like their team. And so they, do you really want us to say the things you did wrong, uh, in this room? Scroll down. Let me scroll down. I mean, what, what does KJ Osborne do for this team? Sam Laporta is your first tight end. Who, how many tight ends do we have here? Three. Three tight end, hate three tight end builds. You fucking suck. Um, what, what, is that what you want? I, I like Mister uh, Mister because it's a fun name, but yeah. um, yeah, no, this is a team. How many how many wide receivers do they have? Uh, he's got seven, so normal amount. Seven, yeah. I, I can't even see on this screen. I need to end the show. I need to regroup. <laughs> Pete's got to go take care of a baby. So we're sorry, Mr. Mister, but your team is trash and should die <laughs> in a fire. There we go. They've been sauced adequately. Of course, follow Pete at Peter Overzet. Follow me at Chris Spags and follow this show at Splash Play Pod. Um, and shout out to Ron here. I don't want a thing. So there you go. We appreciate you, Ron. We appreciate everybody hanging out with us, of course. Make sure to subscribe before you go. We appreciate that very much here where we are doing fantasy football all year round drafts, double headers with me and Pete on Tuesdays. On Friday, I'll be back doing a random stack. The wheel will tell me who to draft and I will draft him then. And Pete, uh, make sure to give your plugs here for uh, you taking care of April coming up in an hour. Um, I'll be doing the Fantasy Life Discord AMA at 3.30 if you want to hop in that. Uh, I think I have to cancel the club show uh, today. Not going to be able to pull that off. Um, but then tomorrow, yeah, on my channel, I'll be back for Best Ball Breakfast, uh, my back-to-back doubleheader with Karain and Sean Siegel. So that'll be at 10 a.m. Um, tomorrow. So if you want to tune in for drafts 32 and 33 for me, that'll be then. Yeah, go ahead. That's a really great stream, by the way. You know, Pete, I'm sure, is uh, underselling it here, but you guys really should check it out, too. The smartest guys out there, giving different takes as well, which is fun to kind of see them paired with each other um, and different kinds of drafts as well. So make sure to check that out on Pete's channel coming up tomorrow. But we appreciate you guys for being here. We'll see you guys again soon, and good luck. Bye. <laughs>